A cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Good news. Hey, I forgot to mention one other thing while we were um, talking about all the stuff going on at the church. I want to thank you for last week's special offering. We received a little over $2,500 given for food for, the, for people in our community. And in fact, the signups have now happened, and we blew way past the number of people that we did last year. We did in the 60s, and I think this year we just right got up to about just 100, like 98, something like that. And so I am so excited that, um, that we're giving to so many more people than last year. And that's so thank you. And if you you have, if you miss your chance to give, you can just still give something in an offering. Just mark it down that it's for that. And uh, so I wanted to thank you, church, and let you know about that. Today is the third week of a four-week series um, I'm calling About Friendship. And I want to dive right in with our, our key thought that's kind of carrying us through this series week after week. And it's this, this concept. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Solomon talked about this a long time ago, thousands of years ago, and, and we see it in Proverbs thirteen twenty, where he says that uh, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise, but if you're a companion of fools, you'll suffer harm. Okay, so in other words, you'll become like those that you spend the most time with. That's basically what he's saying. If you hang around with people who are passionate people who are positive, people who are full of faith, you're going to become more passionate. You're going to become more positive. You are going to have more faith than you had before. But if, on the other hand, you hang around with people that are always negative, people that are always critical, people that are always bad attitudes about stuff in life, you're going to get pulled down to that level. You're going to always have a negative attitude, critical. And if you show me your friends, I'm going to show you your future. Last week, we talked about three different types of poverty, a couple of those, you know, are obvious. Material poverty, everybody knows what that is. We talked about spiritual poverty where you can actually have all kinds of material wealth and not have an eternal future. And uh, spiritual poverty is, is pretty scary too. But we also talked about a third type, which I don't think most people have thought about. In fact, afterwards, I got some reactions from some people, kind of jarred some people to consider the fact that, that, that yeah, yeah, okay, we like a train whistle every now and then. Kind of like going to a Mariners game. Right. It's just part of church here. I want that train to stay here, honking at times on Sunday mornings. Anyway, so um, it jarred some people to think that they might deal with something um, that I would basically call relational poverty, which I think is increasing in our culture. Um, It's just kind of weird that we can somehow be so around people and so much interaction, but still have loneliness be so prevalent because deep relationships are missing. Our, our culture is more affluent than it's ever been before. And yet, at that same time, friendships are statistically significantly dropping from what they used to be. And I think there are a lot of, there's lots of theories why. Um, one leading theory, and this one um, I think has a lot to it, is that we celebrate in our, in our culture, we strive for Independence, independence, and um, I, you know, I, you know, the attitude. I don't want to depend on anybody. I want to be completely self-sufficient. I want to be able to do my own thing. I want to be independent. But we forget that independence is diametrically opposed to being Christian-like. You realize that that the Lord did not create you to be independent, but instead, the Lord created you. He really created you to have a need and to be dependent upon Him and to be dependent upon his people. The Lord wired you. You are hardwired with that need inside of you. And you can fight against it, but it's just not, uh, 
It's distinctly not the way you were, you were, you were created. You know, Jesus died for us. He, he loves us. He died for us. And, and um, he wanted us to be, he created us to be dependent on him and the people in his family. And in, in the church, you know, we have our jargon phrases that we use. We talk about, you know, having a personal relationship with God. And that's pretty important. It's very, it's critically important. But there is something even better than a personal relationship with Jesus, I believe. And that's a shared relationship with Jesus, with God. A shared relationship. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. The word says that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's there too. And that's a pretty cool thing. We run past that too often. Matthew 18. What's even better than experiencing God on your own? Experiencing his glory. Experiencing his power. His passion. His love. His mercy in a deep biblical community. And yet, there are far too many people that just really don't have that. In our culture, there are so many blessings, and yet there are so many people who are relationally impoverished. Why? Well, I've done a lot of reading. There's no clear answer on that. I've got some opinions, and I'm going to share some of those. And I'm to, So I asked the question, what causes relational poverty? And I'm going to give you my opinion about a few of the top reasons. Okay, so the first one. One of the reasons I think is, is pretty practical, it's, I would say, increased mobility. We really don't stay in the same place for very long. It's part of our culture now. The average American moves once every five years. The average American. If you've been in the same place for longer than that, you're beating the average. Once every five years. If you are between 20 and 40, you move once every three years. It's really hard to have a long-term relationship when you don't stick around. It's just, it's just a fact. It's not evil. It's just, just a fact. The second reason um, where there's, there's more relational poverty is modern, I would say modern conveniences. Think about it. I'll give you a couple examples. Here's, here's one, um, the attached garage, okay? Some of you are old enough to remember, and I can remember, and maybe, there, maybe you have live in a house with this, where you have a detached garage. But somebody thought, hey, it'd be really convenient if I could get out of my car and never have to walk outside again. And so they started attaching garages. Maybe there's an economy of scale where when you build a house, it's cheaper to attach it. But America has now become a place where mostly houses have attached garages. And so, you know, in fact, then came the automatic garage door opener, which is not evil. I like mine where you come driving through, you don't even have to really wave at your neighbor anymore. You can push your bat button, open the bat door, go into your bat cave, and never even have to even talk to your neighbor. And you can go a long time, because they got a garage door opener too. You can go a long time and never talk to your neighbors. Relationships just don't happen the way they used to. Um, this, one's, this next one is not so much around here, but in other parts of the country, air conditioner. Because it used to be in the hot afternoons, people, where would they do? Where they would hang out in their front yard or on their front porch. And everybody's out hanging out on the front yard or the front porch and relationships would go on. But now it's hot outside, air conditioners, so we're inside and you just don't interact. Modern conveniences are affecting friendships over the long haul. Here's another one. You know, some of you might be too young to know what I'm talking about here, but this one changed everything. It's called the answering machine. The answering machine, you know. You know, people that are my age or a little older remember that it used to be if you wanted to know who was calling you, you had to actually not, I know this is crazy sounding, but you had actually had to answer the phone. 
<laughs> you actually had to say hello, who is this, and find out. That's the only way you would find out. And then the answering machine came along, and we learned this really cool trick that we could actually screen calls, right? You're acting like none of you screen calls. Come on, you screen calls. And so now the phone rings, and before the answer, you know, and you listen to it, and it's going, you know, hey, this is so-and-so. We're here to ask you for more money. And you say, I'm not answering the phone call, and you just screen the call. Or your friend Bob, who calls at just the wrong moment, so you decide you're just not going to, not you, Bob. This is a different Bob. <laughs> you could call any time, and I'll take your calls. Okay. So, um, I mean... This, you know, beep, hello, blah, 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 and we let it go. And there's a list that kind of goes on and on. And here's a more recent one, and this is going to be a, kind of a broad terminology I'm going to use, but, but I'd say personalized entertainment. Personalized entertainment has also impacted friendships. You know, those of you who are in my generation and older, when it was time to entertain ourselves, we did this thing where we would call, go outside and play right? And you would go outside and play with this thing called people. You'd go outside with people. And all it would take was, mom, can I have an empty can? Right? You'd go outside and all the kids in the neighborhood would show up and it would be, kick the can. It would be going on for two hours until the streetlights came on, which was a signal, you got to go home now. Streetlights. Okay, you're looking at me like I got lobsters coming out my ears. But there's this thing called people, and you would go outside and play with them and build relationships and build friendships. And um, those kinds of things are changing because now what's normal is kids would stay inside and, you know, they got an iPad with the latest Halo 5 or whatever it is. Um, I don't know that game, but I mean, their the latest game and they play the games. And I know they interact with others because they wear headsets and they talk to somebody in Dubuque, Iowa that is on their assault team or something. But it's different. Those are game figures that they're interacting with, even though it's a breathing person. Things have just changed. So we have um, increased mobility, modern conveniences. The third um, reason that I think is challenging relationships is the rise that's happened in social media. And I, you know, I... um, I acknowledged last time, a couple of times, and I've talked about it, there are different forms, and I use some of them, and I I see benefit from them. But at the same time, they're not the same as face-to-face interaction. You know, I I did a lot of reading on this topic about why friendships have have diminished, and I found this quote, and I saw something similar to it in several places. And here's what it said about social media, and I'm just going to read this quote to you. It says, social media is creating an epidemic of deferred loneliness. Deferred loneliness. You know, you feel a little bit lonely, so you post something on Facebook, or you upload something on Instagram, or some of you might tweet, and um, you get this instant feedback. Picture goes up, like, goes ding, 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 and you see these likes that people are saying, you know, I like, I like, and then, um, you know, somebody likes it. Or you take this, this great selfie. You know what a selfie is? Come on. Do you have your phone? Come on, Eric, come up here and do a selfie with me. Come on, right now. In church, can you post this? Take a picture of the... No, turn around. We have the people in the church on the oh. picture. Yeah, so take, do a picture of us. There we go. Come like on, a, a real picture. One? Yeah, okay. take a real picture. Hold on. Ready? Yeah. Can you post that now? Yeah. Okay, post that on... Okay, so that's actually going to get posted right now. Sorry for those of you in the back row. You're now... Uh-oh, we didn't get their permission. Too bad. 
Um, so that's all it takes. Here's a moment in the middle of the sermon, taking a selfie and posting it on. A selfie is when you take your own picture with your camera, okay? And so, um, I mean, it's, it's very easy. And people will now see this because it's, you're going to post it right now? Okay, so right now it's on Facebook. Now don't check your Facebook account. Wait until after church, okay? <laughs> but, but there will be people who will say like and it will go on. And then these likes will occur. And I feel better about myself because people like it. Until I think about the truth about that, the fact about that is how easy it is just to click like and to move on to the next thing I'm doing. There really hasn't been a whole lot of interaction. There's been a marker left that somebody has visited, but we haven't really interacted too much. And so I'm not sure that it really meets my needs for relationship. And it defers it defers friendship, or maybe it defers loneliness. And so many of us go through life with 400 Facebook friends, yet nobody that we can really call if we need to talk. And there's something missing. There's just not quite, it's just not quite everything that it needs to be. Last week we, last week we talked about we learned that it might not be something that's missing, but it might be the right someone who's missing. Today, um, this week, I want to say it might not just be someone who's missing, but it might be a group of someones who is missing. Our key thought for today is this. You might be the one right group away from changing the course of your destiny. The right group of people. You might be one, one, one group of strong, committed Christians, believers, that you do life with together, that you do the highs and the lows of life with, that lift you, that pray with you, that encourage you, that always have your back. You might honestly only be one group away from changing the future of your family or of your future generations. You might be one group away from changing the course of your destiny. Now, I, I, um, I have a friend who attends church here. This is Jamie Weeks, and I talked to him about this, and I, I knew, he, he told me I could share this with you. Jamie's not here today. He and Sue are visiting their son who's um, in the Army, and he's on the other side of the country today. But uh, Jamie's team, uh, Tumwater, went last, a week, ago, week or so ago to play for the state championship for 2A football, and they lost to a really good team. And, uh, and I feel bad about that, you know, too bad, but um, a couple of days before the game, Jamie called me and says, hey, they're going to interview me on the radio, so I tuned in and listened to this interview. And Tumwater High School has a um, long-standing record of a lot of wins in football and other sports over the years. Just a lot. They're just known for that. And um, So the interviewer is asking Jamie these questions. How come Tumwater has won consistently for so long, for so long? What's the reasons? And I was so proud of his answer. And uh, what he said was, it, it, he, didn't, he, he, he said, is because of the long-term committed relationships of the coaches. Now, he, he, he didn't say because we have terrific athletes, although they do. He didn't say because we have the right equipment and the right methods, although they do. He didn't say because they give us lots of money. I don't know if they do that or not. I doubt it. <laughs> Somebody said, no, they don't give them enough. Oh, you're one of the Tumwater coaching team, but right, yeah. You fling yourself over the top of high things with a pole. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, so that's okay, though. 
I love you anyway, Dan. Okay, so. No, but he, did, he, didn't, he didn't say any of those things that maybe would grease the skids and make things feel easier to us. He said the long-term committed relationship of the coaching team, the coaching staff, the people, the relationships. When, I, when, I, when Terry takes a look in the rearview mirror of my life and I look back at the times when I've really had trouble in my life, Stuff that I've, most of the time, that I've brought into my life, just mistakes, willful sin, whatever it was. When something should have made my life explode, my marriage explode, or my career melt, or something. The times that I've kind of dug myself into some real holes, um, and yet it didn't. Each time, I, I believe I was saved by the grace and the mercy of God through the relationships, especially of a group of, of close people in, in my life. People who were close to me, people who were committed to me and committed to each other. I mean, I watched it over and over again. You know, if, if, if I was to take a, an assessment of the, the close friends the, that are not pastors, you know, the, the, the close um, non-pastoral friends to Lisa and me, this handful of people... Um, that where we're like-minded, where we have the same values, where we do life together, um, that has become, over time, a I would say a community or a group of people that Lisa and I look to and call our friends. And I look back at this handful of couples. They became couples. At first, you know, I had my friends, she had her friends, we got married, and over time that becomes, you, you end up getting friends who are couples, for the most part. And I look back and I think of the vast number of times that with us or somewhere in those circles, we did projects together where we, um, for guys, we do guy things, guys, we would re-roof houses together, we would paint each other's houses, we would fix things, um, the, the gals did gal things, but as couples, we tended to raise each other's children's, children's, <laughs> okay, um, children. We, 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 occasionally we would take vacations together with some of these other couples, but um, I mean, there are kids, kids, I call them kids now, they're 30, in this community and around the country who are not our natural offspring, but call us mom and dad. Because that's the relationship they grew up with. And our kids the same. I, I can't hardly count the number of of meals that we've cooked and delivered to someone who was pregnant or they were in the hospital or, you know, hospital stays or whatever. I mean, I, too many to count. We bring cakes to the exciting times and we bring tissues to the breaking heart times. We just have done life together with this group of people. And over time, life has happened. I'll be realistic about this. You know, um, you know there have been sickness there have been some untimely deaths in our generation and in the generation following us and some of the children. It's hard stuff. Um, but I look at this group that have basically been our friends for the last couple of decades, and marriages are still together. For the most part, the children, the next generation of all these families, they're walking with the Lord. They're somehow reflecting the love of God and the scripture that says, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. God keeps that promise. Amen. He does that. Amen. And over life, over time, that all happens. It's extraordinary. It's special. But it doesn't happen by accident. It really didn't. 
And I believe we have what maybe amounts to a modern-day reflection of what is described in the New Testament as the very beginning of the church in Acts 2. So we're finally going to get some more into the word. Um, Acts 2, verses 42 to 46. Here's what it says. It says they devoted themselves, so it wasn't some half-hearted thing. I mean, they were all in. To the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In other words, this was a community centered around Christ. It wasn't centered around the soccer team or the neighborhood association. Um, it was centered around the Lord. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and science performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. In other words, you're in our family. If you're in our family, you're going to be taken care of because we take care of our family. That's what's going on here. Verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's a picture of going to church. They went every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You may be one, course, one, one group of friends away from a change to your destiny. But I promise you this, you don't stumble into this by accident. You don't stumble into a group like this just by accident. You create it. You create it with the love of Christ in an intentional way as believers you know, get together. So I want to give you today four qualities. I just picked four um, of great Christian friendship groups. And um, I'm just going to, these, I, I think I, I think I pick them from what I see in the groups of people around me. So this is just my opinion, um, but it's also scriptural, I believe, at the same time. So four, four, four qualities of great Christian. First one, as friends, we strive to be authentic. We expect it. This is not, this is not a group of people that it's not cheese whiz, it's real cheese, okay? I don't know if cheese whiz is real cheese or not. Uh, whether it tastes good or not. I don't know if it actually is a wood product. It could be. I really don't know. Um, but you know you can buy imitation vanilla that's made from trees? It doesn't come from vanilla? Okay. So authentic friends. We're the same people at church as we are at home. We are. Same people. And the reason that that's hard for a lot of people is because they're missing out on intimacy. They're missing out on trust. They're missing out on some depth of relationship. But when you're family with friends, you know, you know, do you know who has the least amount of tolerance for, you know, for phoniness? It's our kids. They can see through phony. I think we do too, but we tolerate it more. In fact, we rationalize it more. But kids, they have no tolerance for it. The generation that's, let's say, 20 to the early 30s, they have very little tolerance for phony. If you want to know how to relate to you, the generation you're trying to raise, be sincere and be authentic with them. Start there. Start there. Okay, so um, it just doesn't work. Okay, second item. Second thing. Shared values. Because it's really impossible to stay in harmony if you're singing different songs. I mean, if you're going to allow other adults to shape the character of your children, you need to be in the same, on the same page when it comes to sharing the, your values. So here's what I suggest. Joshua 24, 15. There's a backstory that I, I'm not going to take the time for today. Um, but basically, there's this challenge that's rising up among people. And this statement, this public leader says, if you're not willing to serve him, decide today whom you will serve. The gods your ancestor worshipped in Mesopotamia? 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living now. As for me and my family, as for my family and me, we will serve the Lord. In fact, that's what they had in Acts 24, verse 44. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They didn't just share their stuff. They shared their values. So shared values is really important. Third item, we also have warts. All of us, warts. We all got warts. Some have more warts than other. <laughs> warts. Everybody's got warts. Romans 15, 7 talks about that kind of though. It says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And that shows the power of the group. You know, we're told to accept one another, warts and all. It's okay, accept each other. Just as Christ accepted you. And when we're accepted and we're loved in the context of the group, the Apostle Paul is saying, it brings praise to God. Now, just in case you're thinking, well, you know, in your mind you have this extra tone, this nasty tone that's part of what you're thinking. You're saying, well, that's really nice, Pastor Terry, for you and your, you know, your silver spoon friends, you know. <laughs> you know, but let me tell you something about my friends. They all got warts too. They do. I was thinking this through um, over the last couple of decades, what kinds of issues that, that have been dealt with in my circle of friends. And, and um, I mean, I want to stay friends with them. And these messages get recorded and they go out there and I don't have permission to tell you about all of their warts, nor would I. I mean, in fact, I, I, was start, I was thinking this through, you know, what kinds of things and what kind of examples I could give you. And I don't want to violate my friends, but I will tell you this. I will tell you that over the decades, we have dealt with many of the same kinds of things that you have faced in your own marriage, in your own life. We really have. And through those failures and those sins, we've encouraged each other, we've prayed for each other. I mean, We've helped take more than one marriage that was going to auger into the hillside and help it become strong again. We've helped men whose eyes were looking at and pointed at the wrong things get their eyes back where they belonged and get their hearts back where they belonged. We've helped wives whose tongues were pointed at the wrong things and helped them get those reeled back into where they belonged. I mean, and there have been times when everybody didn't get along. There have been times when among friends, there's some chafing that goes on. But let me tell you what didn't happen when that happened. Nobody threw anybody else away. There's a level of commitment that says, warts, okay, we'll deal with warts because I got some too. And so we just don't stay. And that's happened. And, 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 and the reason that I, ha- I believe that's happened is the same reason that Coach Weeks gave of the commitment commitment for relationships. When people were wrong, we've owned it and apologized. When people were wronged, we've chosen to forgive and to move on. And over time, we're all becoming a little bit more like Jesus all along the way. So we strive to be authentic. We share our values. We all have warts. And the fourth one is this one. And we're about done. We fight lions. We fight lions. A great quality of Christians is that we fight lions together. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Hey, isn't lion part of the cat family? Just saying. 
My maturity, immaturity shows up again. I'm just asking the question, is a, is a lion part of the cat family? Because then there would be a connection. Never mind, I won't go anywhere with that. <laughs> but we have a spiritual enemy who roams around looking for someone to devour, to pick you off, to steal, to kill, to destroy. And he wants to do that to everything that, about you that really matters to the heart of God. Now, I have a video that I want to show you before you start the video. Um, this is a great picture of how um, we can stand together as Christians. And so if you really, really love animals, it's a little bit of a hard video to watch. But I want you to know that the victim of this, of this video makes it out okay. So let's see this video. This is a group of water buffaloes who are walking along now um, the leader here isn't doing such a good job of leading because walking the whole group right into a pride of lions and they're, they're kind of, oh, oh, bad decision, better take off. Here we go, here we go, let's go find someone we can pick on. And of course, the enemy doesn't go after the big ones but goes after the smallest or the most vulnerable or the one that's off by itself. That's why you stick together. And into the water it goes. Now, this video cuts forward, but there's a, a, a crocodile gets in on it. They pull it up on the, on the shore and they've got this baby water buffalo there, and um, Satan's going to attack your family. He's going to try and pick on your children, or maybe you. But, but, but don't worry, because this baby gets away, because the lions didn't realize that the buffalo stick together. So they come back and say, hey, you want one of us? You get all of us. You want the baby? You get the horns. Can you fly? Fly, cat! <laughs> get out of here, you bad cat! Go on! Go! Kitty, 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 kitty! Okay. And you don't mess with one because when you mess with one of us, you get the whole group. And we fight lions because we stick together. We fight lions. You know, I want to ask you this rhetorical question. If water buffalo can stick together, don't you think the body of Christ can stick together? Friends can stick together. We can stand together. We can fight there. We can be there for one another. And then when the enemy comes, we don't roll over. We stand up and fight. You know, Christianity is, isn't just a playground. I am um, um, a close friend of mine is Pastor Bert Smith, and he always taught me, and I heard him say this over and over again, the church needs to be two things. It needs to be a hospital, and it needs to be a barracks. And if you are wounded, we need to bring you in and help patch you up and get you whole, and then move you into the barracks so you can go out there and do warfare for your friends and you can stand with other people. And if our enemy comes to attack, we're going to have each other's back. We are. We're going to stand up for each other. We're going to pray together because you do not want to do this alone. You don't want to fight cancer alone. You don't want to deal with financial hardship alone. You don't want to deal with a child who is being difficult or wandering off alone you want the strength of the body of Christ you want the unity that comes with the power of people loving you caring for you believing in you having your back that's what you want and fighting with you because if you're alone you're vulnerable and some of you might be vulnerable a little bit right now you might be one group of friends away from changing the course of your destiny and when you have this kind of relationship it's so rich. It's so satisfying. It's, it's, it's so meaningful. 
And non-believers look in from the outside and they go, hey, I don't really get how that works, but I love the way they care for each other. And I like some of that. That's what the world looks at and says. And suddenly, you know, Jesus' words come to life. He said in John 13, 35, everyone will, will know that you are my disciples because you love each other. One of the greatest ways you have to let your light shine, your love for the Lord shine, is to love the people in your life and let the world see it with some sort of contagious, infectious quality that makes other people want what you have. Some of you, maybe you don't have it. Maybe you have relational poverty and you didn't even realize it. And you're only one group away from changing the course of your destiny. But it's not going to happen by accident. If you want to be it, you have to be it first to have it. Let's pray.